Welcome to Radio Rheumatology, another podcast with information, facts and advice. Brought to you by Rosalind Kirk and Jeanette Cameron, both clinical nurse specialists in rheumatology based here at Frimley Park Hospital. Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Rheumatology. We are recording from home for the first time to comply with COVID-19 restrictions. Fortunately, we still have the technical expertise and support from our dear friends at Radio Frimley Park. And today we will be discussing steroids as a treatment for rheumatological conditions. I'm Rosaline. And I'm Jeanette. And we work as specialist nurses in rheumatology at Frimley Park Hospital in Surrey. Usually you would see us in clinic on a regular basis in between visits with your rheumatologist. But due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, we are adapting our services to ensure your needs are met from home wherever possible. We also run an advice service to ensure you have a point of contact in case you run into trouble and need some urgent advice on your rheumatic condition. If you are not a patient within our locality, it's a pleasure to have your company and we hope you will find it helpful. This is a big subject to cover in a short podcast, so we will try and keep it brief. The information discussed in this podcast is generic and should complement the advice and guidance you were given by your healthcare providers. Today we will be discussing steroids and their place in rheumatology. As I've said, this is a big subject, so we've divided it up to cover the following section. The history and use of steroids in arthritis, the route of administration, precautions and special warnings, side effects of steroids, steroid dependence, and top tips for ensuring safe and effective steroid treatments. We will finish up with some frequently answered questions uh, with our rheumatology pharmacist, Sandra Smith. There are different types of steroids used today, but we will be focusing on the corticosteroids we use in conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis. It's really important not to confuse these with anabolic steroids that are sometimes taken illegally to build up muscle. Corticosteroids are synthetic cortisone which is one of the main hormones released by the adrenal glands in response to stress. To help us with this subject, we have enlisted the help of Frimley Park rheumatologist, Dr. Mark Lloyd. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Lloyd. Thank you, Rose. Yeah, (laughs) I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the history of steroids, which, uh, as you say, were developed from the adrenal gland hormone cortisone by the American rheumatologist Philip Hench in the 1940s in the Mayo Clinic uh, in America. And interestingly, uh, Philip Hench is the only rheumatologist to have received the Nobel Prize. It's important to remember that uh, until the 1940s and the discovery of steroids as a treatment, there was really no uh, option available for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis other than bed rest and aspirin. And the problem with aspirin is that at high doses, it uh, causes a lot of stomach irritation. Dr. Hench noticed that arthritis improved after the stress of surgery. It was also thought that the fatigue noticed by many patients with rheumatoid arthritis was actually due to adrenal gland failure, which actually uh, proved not to be the case. Finally, there were rumours that the German Air Force were using adrenal extracts to enable their pilots to fly above enemy aircraft. Hench helped to synthesize a small amount of adrenal hormone cortisone. His first patient was a 29-year-old woman 
with rheumatoid arthritis who had been bedbound for two months in the Mayo Hospital. Within four days of treatment, the patient was able to leave the hospital. This created a great amount of interest in the new drug, which did seem extremely effective in arthritis. However, it soon became clear that there were significant side effects, partly because in those days they used very high doses. Well, how do steroids work? Well, what they do is mimic the action of the body's own steroid hormones, which are produced by the adrenal gland. The adrenal gland sits just on top of each kidney. The chemicals produced are involved in fight and flight. They also modify the immune system and reduce inflammation. Short term, this can be very useful. Imagine your ancestor had been chased and injured by a wild animal. It could be life-saving for the blood pressure and blood sugar to increase to enable escape from danger. Problem is that over longer periods, these effects can be a problem, causing the high blood pressure and diabetes we sometimes see in long-term steroid use. Prednisolone, which is the steroid we use these days, also predisposes to infection. And the risk seems to rise, particularly when doses are greater than around 10 milligrams a day. Despite these problems, steroids remain a useful short-term treatment in several sorts of arthritis. You may have seen recently they have also been found useful in certain cases of COVID infection, where there is sometimes a lot of lung inflammation. Current guidelines recommend using steroids early on in arthritis as a bridge in treatment while we wait for other more targeted treatments to work. We often use them for a flare of arthritis as well, in the same way that steroids are used in an attack of asthma. Some people do need a regular low dose of prednisolone to control their condition. In these situations we try to reduce the risk of side effects by using the lowest dose possible and looking for and treating diabetes, high blood pressure and osteoporosis if they occur. So in summary, I think despite all the new drugs available in arthritis, steroids remain a useful devil you know. Thank you Rose and Jeanette. Thank you Dr Lloyd. The message seems to be that steroids are used in rheumatology because they are effective and because they are recommended in our clinical guidelines. The lowest and most effective dose will always be used for the shortest time possible. I'm going to talk about routes of administration. There are several ways of administrating steroids for many different conditions, but today um, we are only going to discuss the routes we usually use in rheumatology in adults. Uh, first is the oral route. Usually these are prednisolone tablets and are generally taken once a day, preferably in the morning with or just after your breakfast. This reduces the risk of sleep disturbances and helps reduce the risk of stomach side effects. A second route is injection um, directly into the muscle. This is generally uh, methylprednisolone and is given as an injection into the muscle of your buttock. This is usually given if you are having a flare of your condition and although it can be repeated after two weeks, it is usually effective for two to three months. We also give injections into a joint. Um, again, this is usually methylprednisolone and this injection can be given during a clinic appointment or arranged to be given under the guidance of ultrasound scanning in the x-ray department. 
A numbing spray and local anaesthetic injection can be given and will help make the procedure more comfortable, but this will be discussed beforehand. Joint injections are limited in the frequency they can be given due to potential damage to the joint over time, such as in the cartilage. Finally, injections around soft tissue, um, for example around a tendon, this is again methylprednisolone and is often injected with the support of an ultrasound scanner in the x-ray department. Please let your rheumatology team know if you are taking any medication to reduce clotting or thin your blood as this can increase the risk of a bleed into the joint or muscle after the injection. I'm going to mention some of the main special warnings and precautions to steroids. The doctor or med non-medical prescriber who has initiated steroid treatment will be very aware of the benefits and risks of steroid treatment and will prescribe the dose and frequency based on your clinical need. It is useful for you too, however, to have this knowledge in case there are any changes in regard to your health and well-being. As with any medication, be that prescribed, over-the-counter or herbal remedies, you should make time to read the patient information leaflet that accompanies it. You will be given a steroid card if you are taking high doses of steroids or steroids for longer than three weeks. You should always carry this card. This is so that in an emergency, a doctor will know that you are having steroid treatment. It's important that you are fully aware of the dose, frequency and duration of the treatment. If you need clarification, it's always worth checking with the prescriber or with the pharmacist. Patients and or carers should be warned that potentially severe psychiatric adverse reactions may occur with systemic steroids. This is really rare, but you should seek medical advice if worrying psychological symptoms develop especially if depressed mood or suicidal ideation is suspected. Caution is to be used when steroids, including prednisolone, are prescribed to people with the following conditions. Diabetes mellitus or those with a family history of diabetes, glaucoma, hypertension or congestive heart failure, liver failure, epilepsy, osteoporosis, especially in postmenopausal women who are at particular risk, peptic ulceration, previous steroid myopathy, which means weak muscles, and thromboembolic disorders. Also kidney disease and a recent myocardial infarction or heart attack. This is not a comprehensive list of precautions. So again, it's important to discuss this treatment with the prescriber. Having one of these conditions I have mentioned does not necessarily mean you will not be able to take steroids, but it does mean more precaution may be needed for example, close monitoring or additional blood tests. So I'm going to have a discussion in a bit more detail about some of the potential side effects. This section does not cover everything um, and you are advised to read your patient leaflet in your box of medication before starting treatment. Generally, the side effects increase the longer you are on treatment and the higher the dose. Therefore, the aim is always to reduce your dose to the lowest amount for the shortest length of time, whilst keeping your symptoms controlled. We only want to use steroids as a short-term treatment, but if you need them frequently or are unable to reduce them, we will probably add in additional medication to control your symptoms, which will then allow the reduction and potential stopping of steroids. So, most common side effects 
first is irritation of the digestive system, which could lead to ulcers and bleeding. You can help avoid this by avoiding fatty food or spicy food. Um, don't take at the same time um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen or diclofenac as this can make the indigestion worse, which is also true of smoking. It is worth reducing or stopping smoking as a long-term plan. Try to cut down on alcohol, tea, coffee and fizzy drinks. This will also help. Sometimes you will be prescribed medication to take with your steroid tablets to reduce um, the risk of indigestion and risk of ulcers. Uh, these are called proton pump inhibitors, um, but other treatments can be discussed with your pharmacist. There is, as Dr. Lloyd mentioned earlier, increased susceptibility to infections. Uh, that means you're more likely to pick up and may have the infection for longer. You need to avoid close contact with anyone with diseases such as measles, chickenpox and shingles and discuss with your rheumatology team or GP if you've had contact or feeling unwell. Steroids can lead to an increased appetite which leads to a potential weight gain. Try to make sensible food choices when you're on steroids and stay as active as possible. The steroids lead to bruising due to fragile small blood vessels and thinning of the skin, which can make it easy to damage. Another side effect that we want to avoid is osteoporosis, which is the reduced density of the bones, which can increase the risk of developing a fracture. Postmenopausal women and the elderly are at special risk. If you are on long-term steroids, for example, over three months, you may be provided with additional medication to reduce the risk of developing osteoporosis. You can also help reduce the risk with weight-bearing exercises such as walking and ensuring you have a diet rich in calcium and vitamin D or over-the-counter supplements to um, boost your levels. Steroids, as Rose mentioned, can increase your blood sugars. Um, so if you're diabetic, um, you may have unstable blood sugars for the duration and for a period of time afterwards of taking steroids. But also in long-term use, you can develop uh, steroid-induced diabetes. If you suffer with high blood pressure, steroids can also increase your blood pressure and can lead to increased swelling of the lower legs. If you suffer with epilepsy, your control can be affected and the development of cataracts can be accelerated. As Ross said, steroids can affect your mood by either elevating or lowering it, and this may be more notable if you already suffer with mood changes. Thanks, Jeanette. So the next section will cover steroid dependence, uh, which is a common topic of discussion in clinic. So hopefully we can shed a little bit of light on the subject and reassure you on this. In patients who have received more than a physiological or natural dose of systemic steroids, which is approximately 7.5 milligrams of prednisolone for more than three weeks, withdrawal should be done gradually. Dose reduction will depend largely on whether the disease is likely to worsen as the dose of systemic steroids is reduced. After you stop taking steroids, your body will begin to make its own natural steroids again, but it can take a few days for this to happen. So if the steroids you have been taken are suddenly stopped, you may have withdrawal effects. Steroid withdrawal symptoms include anorexia, nausea, vomiting, lethargy, 
headache, fever, joint pain, rhinitis, conjunctivitis, skin nodules, weight loss, and or hypotension. Prevention is always better than cure, so your rheumatology team or primary care team will be working with you very closely to ensure a safe dose reduction. It's really important to tell them if you suspect you are having symptoms of a withdrawal. So I'm going to have a a little bit of a recap and um, discuss practical tips for when using steroids. Um, Tell your doctor or your rheumatology team if you develop or are in contact with anyone with chickenpox or shingles. You may have a serious response to this infection and may need urgent treatment. Um, The steroids you are taking should not be stopped unless you are directed by a doctor. As stated earlier, you should be provided with a steroid card when you receive your medication, um, whether you are taking it for longer than three weeks or whether you've had previous courses, it is beneficial to have this card and carry it with you at all times in, be- in case you become unwell. So whoever is looking after you knows to potentially continue the treatment. Always take your steroids with or after food unless they're enteric coated. This is not as required medication. It isn't to be used as a a pain relief that you take just for one day. To make a difference by reducing your inflammation, it needs to be taken as prescribed to get the full benefit from it. Steroids can take um, up to 48 hours to start and make a difference to your inflammation in your body, um, which is why we never normally just give a short course of a couple of days. Um, you will be given a longer course than that to ensure the full benefit. Have a chat with your pharmacist to discuss interactions with other medication. Even herbal treatments can interact. Although most foods are fine, some should be avoided. For example, licorice. We are now joined by Sandra, who is our rheumatology and biologics pharmacist. Thanks, Jeanette. So I'm going to answer some of the questions that are commonly asked when patients come to the pharmacy to collect their tablets. Almost always the first question asked is, can I drink alcohol with my tablets? So with regards to prednisolone, generally if you are on a low dose and you're not taking prednisolone long term, then a drink or two per day should be fine. The problem arises more with alcohol if you are on long-term prednisolone or high doses. Uh, If you're on a high dose of prednisolone, we would generally advise avoiding alcohol altogether. The reasons for this being, uh, Jeanette's already discussed some of the side effects of steroids, and alcohol has very similar side effects. So alcohol will suppress the immune system, it will increase your blood sugar levels, it can irritate the stomach and it can increase the risk of osteoporosis. So alongside the side effects of the prednisolone, alcohol will actually end up doubling your risk factors for those particular conditions. So therefore we would advise sort of minimal alcohol intake in those circumstances. So the next question uh, we always get asked is, is it safe for me to drive whilst I'm on steroid tablets? And the answer is generally, yes, it's perfectly safe to drive. 
Very occasionally, patients will experience dizziness and drowsiness. And obviously, in those situations, you need to wait for that to pass before actually going out and driving. So some of the other questions that we get asked are, I need to take my tablets with food. How much food? Is a biscuit all right? The prednisolone is known to irritate the stomach. So it's actually recommended that you take it with or after a meal. So generally, a biscuit is not substantial enough and you would do better. It's generally re recommended that you take it at breakfast. And so we would suggest that you either have a piece of toast or cereals or uh, a bowl of fruit, whatever, but probably something more substantial than a biscuit. Another question that we get asked is, what do I do if I forget to take my tablet? So the answer is, take it as soon as you remember. That is, unless it's nearly near to your next dose. In that instance, we would suggest that you miss out the original dose and just start taking the dose as you normally would, but do not take a double dose. The next question is with regards to pregnancy and breastfeeding. And there are situations where we have to have patients that are pregnant and breastfeeding, they do need to continue with their prednisolone tablets. And in these circumstances, it will always be considered by the consultants whether or not the benefit of treatment actually outweighs the risk. And they will always use the lowest dose and you will always be monitored throughout your treatment. With regards to pregnancy, we know that 88% of prednisolone crossing the placenta is actually inactivated. So very little of it actually gets to the fetus. And there is no evidence of any abnormalities in the baby, although prolonged use of steroids can result in reduced infant growth. But that will be monitored by your consultants. With regards to breastfeeding, the same applies. The benefit will always be considered with regards to the risk. There are small amounts of prednisolone found in breast milk, but we know that doses up to 40 milligrams daily are unlikely to have an effect on the infant. So the next question is with regards to vaccines, and uh, lots of our rheumatology patients need to have regular vaccines, in particular flu vaccine, pneumonia vaccine, and possibly even shingles vaccine. So with regards to prednisolone, Vaccinations are generally safe, providing they are not live vaccines. So therefore, the flu vaccine and the pneumonia vaccine are perfectly safe to have whilst you're on a steroid. The shingles vaccine, however, is a live vaccine. And so that can be a concern if you are on a high dose of prednisolone or you have been on prednisolone for a certain length of time. So it's always best just to check whether or not it is actually okay to have the shingles vaccine. So you can check with your pharmacist or you can check with your rheumatology uh, specialist department. I think that's probably the main questions, but there is just a couple of points just to, to make people aware of. A lot of prednisolone tablets do contain lactose. So anybody that's lactose intolerant, it's always worth just checking with your pharmacy uh, with regards to the particular tablets that you're having, whether or not they are okay to take. And of late, we're also aware that prednisolone is now being produced in 
a variety of different strengths. So again, it's always important to check that what you have been supplied from your pharmacy is what you are expecting. Read the label and make sure you take the correct number of tablets. Don't assume that the strength might be the same as what you've had previously. Thank you very much, Sandra. Lots of really useful and, and very much practical information. And just finally, a couple of take home messages. Ensure you read and reread your information leaflet and are fully aware of the dose, frequency and duration of your treatment. Additionally, if you have been issued a rescue pack of steroids, please check the expiry date. Take your PPI cover or gastric protection tablets as prescribed. Steroids have many precautions and potential side effects, but they are still very effective and useful in treating inflammation and associated pain and swelling. They are also very reliable, so if you suspect they may not be working, it may be the symptoms you are experiencing are not related to inflammation. If you are prescribed steroids for more than three months, it's really important that your risk factors are appropriately assessed. For example, you may need screening for unstable blood sugars that may indicate diabetes, and your healthcare providers may assess the need for bone protection treatments to reduce the risk of fragility fractures. You may also need regular blood tests. We continue to use steroids because they are really affected and they're recommended in our clinical guidelines, such as the British Society of Rheumatology and EULA, which is the European League Against Rheumatism. They are especially effective during a flare-up um, and as a bridging treatment, for example, after a new treatment has been started that is yet to reach its full efficacy. You can find out more about steroids treatment at versusarthritis.org and the Electronic Medicines Compendium, which is the EMC, which you can find via your web browser. You can follow Radio Rheumatology on Twitter at Radio Room for the latest on our podcast. We would also love to hear your frequently asked questions on rheumatology conditions and their treatments. Once again, thank you to our very kind friends at Radio Family Park. We appreciate the platform to offer additional education and advice to our patients. Thank you very much to Dr Lloyd for his input and for Sandra Smith, our pharmacist, for joining us this evening. We hope to report our next podcast over the coming weeks and thank you so much for listening. That was another podcast from Radio Rheumatology with information, facts and advice. Keep your ears peeled for the next one. Thank you.